Proverbs chapter 19, verse 5. This is, if you have your bulletin and you look at the back and you see what the daily Bible reading is, there are four passages of Scripture. There's Ezekiel chapter 44, Hebrews 3, Psalm 64, and Proverbs 19 for today. This is today's passage of Scripture. Proverbs 19, verse 5. All right. Proverbs 19, verse 5. Is everybody there? All right, let's look at it together. A false witness will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies will not escape. I've been trying to take passages of Scripture from our daily Bible reading that are encouraging. And... um, And so I've tried to stay away from some of the issues that would just distract us from really exalting the Lord and just basking in His love and in His goodness and His kindness and His mercy. But when I looked at all four of these passages of Scripture, and I'll tell you what, it was tough because we have the millennial reign in Ezekiel 44, and that's exciting. That is really exciting. But we'll deal with that in a a bigger context later. So that we can all understand what the, that book is about. Or that section. But I couldn't, I couldn't find a more comforting passage of scripture than chapter 19 verse 5. And this really was a comfort to me this week. A false witness will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies will not escape. And as if that is not important enough, in verse 5, he repeats the very same thing in verse 9. You see it there, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Every time God repeats something, he has a reason for it. It's not a mistake. And not only that, but you can go all through Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and you can find the same concept dealt with. Lies, untruths, falsehoods. You see, it's a comfort to me because we are surrounded by lies. We are surrounded by falsehood. Our society has embraced Satan's idea, and it's truly his idea. He started it in the Garden of Eden. I'll give Eve a little bit of truth, and then I'm going to, man, I'm going to hit her with some of the, the, the worst information she could have. And she made a decision, of course, that has affected all of us because of that. But society has embraced Satan's idea that truth is relative. Relative. Now, I have illustrated it this way. If I were to bring in a basketball and ask you what size it was, you have nothing to relate it to if you don't see any others. And you may say, well, that's a big ball compared to a baseball. Then if I bring in a golf ball and I say, well, put the basketball on the table and the baseball on the table and the golf ball on the table. And tell me which is the largest. You say basketball, which is the smallest, the golf ball. Take away the basketball. Now which is the largest? The largest is the the baseball. You see what I'm saying? See, it changes. That's the idea of truth being relative. It can change. I can twist it. I can stretch it. 
I can make it to mean what I want. You see, and we live in a society where what's true for you may not be true for me. That's a society of relativism as far as the truth is concerned. And I still love this comic way. Uh, you know, someone who, doesn't, someone who did not believe in, uh, was asked one question. He did not believe in truth being, being absolute. And he was asked by someone, so you do not believe that truth is absolute? He said, absolutely. <laughs> now think about that for a minute. But you see, this is a comforting passage of Scripture because society has embraced that idea the truth is relative. I can move it in any direction. Supposing I were to buy a piece of property and have it surveyed and they were to put a pin at all four corners of my property. And then one day on my property, I noticed my neighbor is taking the pin out and he's moving it. Well, that's where I want the line to be. <laughs> Well, how would you feel about that? You see the point? You see the point? And it's all around us. It is not only a problem of, it's not only a problem for individuals, but our society has embraced that. And false ideas can damage or destroy individuals. We talked about Naboth several weeks ago. Naboth was uh, railroaded into um, uh, witnesses, said untruths about him, and the king of Israel was able to get his, the king of uh, the, the northern tribes was able to get his property because people were willing to lie about Naboth. Joseph, Potiphar's wife, lied about Joseph, and he ended up in prison for years. David wanted to show his condolences to the king of Ammon's uh, father, uh, who had died, passed away, and he sent a delegation. And uh, the son said, well, he's not here because he really cares about dad and wants to share his condolences. He's only here to spy out the land. And so they shamed the delegation. Elijah was, uh, was uh, shamed by the, was, well, it didn't work in this particular case, but you'll remember King Ahab said to Elijah, after God imposed a drought on the land of Israel because of the sin of the people, the Bible says that uh, when Elijah came to, uh, came to Ahab, Ahab said, so you're the one who's been troubling Israel. And, Ahab, and, and Elijah said, no, 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 don't blame it on me. You're the one who's responsible for troubling Israel. But the point is, false ideas destroy and damage individuals. But false ideas can destroy whole nations as well. That's why it's important for us to love the truth. It's important for us to make sure that we seek the truth. I can't tell you how many times I've said to people who have interacted with me in the last, last uh, couple of years. Is that the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Or is it slanted? I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard that. And I've shared this with you. That's why in a court of law, they don't say, do you promise to tell the truth? Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Because just as the devil was able to uh, deceive Eve in the garden with a half-truth, we are deceived constantly by half-truths in our society. But I love this. Because God says a false witness will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies 
will not escape. When you talk about nations, uh, Focus on the Family did this parent's guide to spiritually mending your children or your teens many, many years ago. And uh, there's an illustration in here that I've never forgotten, and I've used it once from the pulpit, and I'm going to share it again with you today. It comes from uh, a college, uh, a political science, poli-sci. Those of you in college know what poli-sci is. It's the worst course you can take. <laughs> it's the one that causes you the most grief. But anyway, the, the person who wrote this said, one of my mentors lectured at a pol political science class in Boulder, Colorado, where 250 students were learning the judicial history of the United States. They were new thinkers in the making. Their minds were sharp, and they were beginning to formulate their opinions on courts, laws, attorneys, and the issues that are worth fighting for. Certainly, they were ready for the question my friend posed. And here was the question. Can any of you in this class tell me that Adolf Hitler was morally wrong by doing what he did in World War II? He was astonished. Not one single hand went up. Not one single hand went up. He continued, are there any Jews in this classroom? One young woman in the front row raised her hand. He walked over to her and said, in effect, you are telling me that a man who killed six million Jewish people in one of the largest genocides in history isn't morally wrong. Are you saying you cannot find fault with a man who hung his own men by piano wire and watched them squirm while the wire slowly cut their throats? Are you telling me that a man who ordered a vivisection on infants to learn how to effectively kill the human body is not morally wrong? She looked up at him with confidence and said, with confidence and said, in my opinion, what he did was wrong. But I will not stand and make a moral judgment on him. That's the danger of living in a society that embraces moral relativism. Or the idea that there is no absolute truth. But God says, what? Everybody together? A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. You see, we think there are no consequences in our society for lying about others, for instance, because that's the context of the first part of the verse. We think it's your word against mine. What I believe and what I say is just as right as what you believe and what you say. And let me suggest this to you, that the tongue was the most frequent weapon used by David's enemies in the Psalms. If you want to do a quick, we're just going to look at a couple of verses, just, just about four or five real quickly here. But if you're in Proverbs and you'll flip back to the Psalms, I want you to look at chapter 5 for just a second. Chapter 5, and uh, we'll just flip forward. This should be easy for us. Psalm 5, verses 8 and 9. It, you keep in mind that the tongue is the most frequent weapon that was used against David. Obviously designed to discredit him. Obviously designed to take him down. Obviously designed to deal with him in moments of his own life where he was at a low period. 
And in Psalm 5, verses 8 and 9, just going to read these to you, and we'll move right through here. In verses 8 and 9, David says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Will God pronounce them guilty? Yes, he will. Why? Because the psalmist says that, lo- that those who are guilty of falsehoods will not go unpunished. Move over to 27. 27. I usually, you know, I, I, I love, you know, the first 35 Psalms are David's and almost all of them deal with issues like this. But just to spread it out a little bit, Psalm 27, verses 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord. Psalm 27, verse 11 and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Move over to Psalm 35, 11. Psalm 35, 11. In Psalm 35, 11, David says, Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good. Move over to Psalm, uh, the verse 15. But in my adversity, they rejoiced and gathered together. Attackers gathered against me, and I did not know it. They tore at me and did not cease. With ungodly mockers at feasts, they gnashed at me with their teeth. In verse 21. They also opened their mouth wide against me and said, Ah, ah, our eyes have seen it. You can read between the lines. Go to Psalm 64, our last passage of Scripture, just to give you an idea of how vicious the tongue can be, how false the tongue can be. You and I are all victims of it. And I've said before, whenever we've dealt with um, God's Word that deals with passages of Scripture where the tongue is involved... I said, you know what, if, if, you're not, if you, you don't think you've been a victim of this kind of thing, then you just haven't heard it, but it's happening behind your back. And I can assure you that it is. David says in Psalm 64, verses 1 through 4, which is part of the daily Bible reading for this week, for last week and this week, in Psalm 64, what does he say in verse 1 through 4? Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. Five through nine. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? They devise iniquities. They have perched, they have perfected a shrewd scheme. Both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. Will they escape? Will they go unpunishment? Unpunished? No. Verse 7. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. 
So he will make them stumble over their own tongue. And all who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider his doing. Falsehood. Those who spread it. Those who do it with no conscience. Will not escape. God says they will be punished. I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging to me. And David makes many appeals to God. If you go through the Psalms and you look at all the appeals that David made, you saw several of them there. He makes many appeals to God to deal with the situation because you know what? In this life, sometimes we don't get that stuff resolved, do we? In this life, David didn't get much of a fair hearing many times. In this life, the truth didn't necessarily come out all the time. But in God's courtroom, it all will come out. Amen? All of it. Everything. We think that if we sin in our actions, it's, it's, it's bad. That's bad. And if we, but we think maybe if we sin in our speech, that's not so bad. We can just say anything we want. We can be careless and reckless and say what we want. But what does the Bible say in Matthew? The Bible says that every idle word that man shall speak, he shall give account of in the day of judgment. Now listen, God forgives sin. And we're going to look at that in just a minute as we conclude this passage of Scripture here. But I, I, I've often thought about it. I've often thought about it. You know, a lot of people will hold to their, you know, even, even when the truth is known and even when the truth is out there, a lot of people will hold to their falsehood. That's a very dangerous thing to do. It's extremely dangerous to do that. You know, once we know the truth, if we don't accept the truth and we continue to spread the lies and the falsehoods, the danger of that is that there's no forgiveness if you do that. Where's the forgiveness if you continue to spread the falsehood and the lies? Where's the forgiveness? The Bible says if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every righteousness. I've often said to people, you're between a rock and a hard place. You, you, you believe what is false. You won't accept the truth. And yet you continue to spread the lie. Where is it going to put you at the end? I mean, you're going to get to judgment day and it's going to be a horrible experience. You won't be able to say on judgment day, I asked the Lord to forgive me. It's, it's really an important issue. But David makes many appeals to God because he knows in the court of heaven, everything will be set right in the end. God says in, Saul, in Proverbs 19.5, what does he say? Everybody together? A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Now, I'm going to close with three simple Passage of Scripture to confirm all of that. Hopefully we'll walk out here with a great appreciation for knowing the truth. For seeking the truth. For abiding by the truth. Living in the truth. Sharing the truth. And in any case where we discover that falsehood is being spread. We're going to challenge it. Hopefully that will be the case. 
Exodus 20 is first of three passages of Scripture. This will only take but a minute or two because as soon as you get to Exodus 20, you're going to say, oh, I know what that's all about. That's the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. Why am I sharing this passage of Scripture with you? Well, I'm sharing this passage of Scripture with you because the Ninth Commandment in verse 16 is what? Everybody, look at the Ninth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, I tell people, there are lots of commandments in Scripture. There are hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. But there are ten really big ones. Really big ones. Nobody, I can just see on Judgment Day, someone saying, well, Lord, I, I obeyed these 500 other commandments you gave and these directions you gave and these instructions you gave for me to live, but, but I didn't even know that there was one called false accusations against people. What kind of an excuse will that be on Judgment Day? Well, it's one of the big ten. <laughs> Should have paid attention to it. The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Why? Because it will not go unpunished. It will not go unpunished. Now that's near the beginning of the Bible. Let's you and I go to the end of the Bible. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, for the next two passages of Scripture, okay? Revelation chapter 21, verse 27 will be the first one. We're at the very end of the book of Revelation. God is talking about a new heaven and a new earth. He's talking about redoing the universe. He's talking about setting everything right. He's talking about ushering in eternity. This is going to be great. But you know what? There are going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be there. There are going to be a lot of people who aren't going to experience it. There are going to be a lot of people who are not going to be a part of the new Jerusalem. And in chapter 21, in the first passage of Scripture, in verse 27, what does the Bible say? But there shall by no means enter into anything, enter it, and, but there shall by no means enter it anything, that's enter the glory of the new Jerusalem, anything that defiles or causes an abomination, or what's next? What does it say? Or a lie. And then jump over to 22, because Jesus gives us a final, final, final invitation. In chapter 22, verse 12, he says, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. Now, when he says he's coming quickly, boy, when that happens, it's going to quick, be quick. We waited a while. The church has been waiting for years. God is giving us an opportunity to share the gospel with people. But boy, when the time comes for Jesus to come, it's going to happen so quick, you and I won't have a chance to even figure out what's happening. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But look at verse 15. But outside are what? Everybody together. What's first? 
dogs, second, sorcerers, third, sexually immoral, fourth, murderers, fifth, idolaters, and what is sixth? Whoever loves and practices a lie. Oh, we, you know, there, you know, there's some sins that we think are respectable. That's not a respectable sin, as if there were any that are. But I have a final passage of Scripture. Everybody go to Romans chapter 3 for the good news, okay? The good news. Here's the good news, all right? Got to share some good news here, all right? Acts, Romans chapter 3, when the Apostle Paul is writing the letter to the church at Rome, he's writing to the people in the biggest city in the world at that day cosmopolitan city every evil you can imagine was there every amenity uh, of a modern society was there as well and in Romans chapter 3 when he describes the gives us a picture of the human person and he describes it in terms of sin notice what he does in chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 look at 10 it's written there is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody understands. Nobody seeks after God. Everybody's turned aside. We've all become unprofitable. There's none who does good, no, not one. And then verse 13, here's the one I want to focus on. Their throat, our, our throats are an open tomb and our tongues practice deceit. The poison of apps is under our lips. Now he uses the word there. Notice that I change it to the word we. Our mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Why did I change it to the word ye, we, instead of there? I changed it because the Apostle Paul, when he shared this, had a lot of resistance, you see. Well, we're not like that. No, no, I'm not saying you are now there, but you were. Why? Because in verse 23, what does the Bible say? And everybody can say this. Everybody together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> One of us. If you start saying, well, I'm, I'm, I've never been guilty of anything like that. Then you don't believe that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the spectrum of our sins in intensity may be different. But there's nothing new under the sun. But here's the good news. Chapter 6, verse 23. Is the sin of lying unforgivable? No. Is the sin of false accusations unforgivable? No. It's forgivable. God, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad God puts them in there so that we can see that everything that God has listed there, God is willing to forgive. So when the Bible says that the liar will not go unpunished. And those who are guilty of false accusations against others will not escape, will not get away with it. He's talking to the person who doesn't want to be forgiven. The person is not sorry for it. The person is not willing to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I... I, I, it's been wrong for me to live and do these things, and I want you to forgive me. I'm sorry for it, and I want to live in truth, and I want to share truth, you see. 
If you're that person, guess what? In 623, what does the Bible say? Everybody together. It's our final verse of Scripture, and then we're going to close. For the wages of sin is death. That's the, the wages of sin is death, which means there's the, there's the wage. You, you do the work. You do the sin. You get the wage. But, but the gift of God, everybody together, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, that our society would clearly understand it. And I'd love to see our society go back to truth as absolute and not relative, wouldn't you? I would love to see that day happen. But as an individual, you and I need to understand God is so gracious and so merciful and so loving and so kind. He is willing to even forgive a sin that is even listed in a cluster of sins that will keep you out of heaven. God's willing to forgive. Let's come to him for forgiveness.